Hey, this is Mo Maduro with the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today we're talking about the emotional area. Fourth in the series of seven areas, we've covered mental, physical, spiritual, and the emotions. And I talk about the emotions as the gateway to what we want in life. So we can do all the right things with the mental and the physical and the spiritual and have all that aligned, but we allow our emotions to get hijacked. And they take us to a place where we don't want to be. Relationships, we say they take the escalator. Trust takes the escalator up, but you can, it's like falling out a window when you lose it. Emotions, emotions are very powerful and they can cause you to lose so much of what you've built up. So it's important for us to understand this thing with emotions. Now, emotions were never meant to be held in, which is what a lot of us do. We're taught to suppress the emotion and when you suppress it, it actually becomes a feeling, and then that feeling becomes a stored memory. In the book, Joan Rosenberg's book, 90 Seconds to a Life You Love, she talks about this processing of the emotions, uh, modulating them, just letting them flow through. About 90 seconds, and she uses the term surfing that wave. So as you feel that emotion coming on, the first urge is to suppress it. And I'll talk about why that's not a good idea beyond what's obvious. But you want to let it run. In fact, if you label it, give it a name, and that way you, you kind of contextualize it and allow it to run. And I'll use a, the rain metaphor. You recognize it, you acknowledge it, investigate to see what it's trying to tell you, and then nurture yourself. Get some self-care, do some breathing, mindfulness time, walk out, uh, walk out in nature, etc. So this idea... The best example that was given to me is that, and remember, we talk about a, we have a hunter-gatherer brain. So in the hunter-gatherer time, and let's say there's no language, when a person bites into a fruit or vegetable, instantly everyone in the tribe can see whether or not that's a good thing to eat or not. I remember this from the emotional intelligence training that the face is the only part of the body where the muscles are attached directly to the skin. I also remember that there's like 700 involuntary muscles in the face. So this makes sense when you think about a hunter-gatherer tribe sitting around. Somebody bites into a piece of food and instantly everyone in the tribe can see was that a good thing or a bad thing because they can read it on the face. And also in the absence of language, you can see facial expressions and you instantly can read what's going on. So the emotions are fleeting. They're there to convey to others, and then we can learn from them as well. But when you store it, when you hold on to it, as I said, it becomes a feeling. Once it becomes a feeling, now it's a stored memory, and now it's in your nervous system versus just energy, just energy and motion. When you let it flow through, that's what it is, energy and motion, and it goes away. But the reason why we could bring up these past memories is because we let them sit in there. I remember hearing, I've never had it done, but these deep massages that People actually go through laughter and they cry as the person is doing the massaging because they're disturbing or bringing back up these stored emotions. Now, I said, why is it not good to suppress? And I was, I was a suppressor. I was clearly one who would suppress emotions. Thought it was a good thing. It's cool. Why, you know, why not? But what I found out is that when you suppress, it goes both ways. You don't get to experience the joys of life because those get suppressed too. So you have to experience the good and the bad, and you want that wave to be up and down on both. Now, because you're modulating it, it's not something that you're going to be lamenting and you're going to be all down because you're allowing it to process, you're learning from it, and then you move on. And the more you do that, the more you'll see that, wow, life is just cool. You don't get, 
you don't have these fears of things occurring because you know it's just an emotion and you let it flow through, you learn from it and you move on. Once the emotion really gets set in, you can see that that's part of that triggering. When people are triggered, you can almost see that they've got the emotion from the, the first time that instance occurred where that memory was created or that reaction was created. And now you can't have a decent conversation with the person because you're tiptoeing around. You call it like walking on eggshells. You walk, you got to walk on eggshells because this word triggers them and that word triggers them. And if you look at them funny, it triggers them. They're great people to be around unless they're triggered. And then what are you going to do? Now, I mentioned Joan Rosenberg's book, 90 Seconds to a Life You'll Love. And she talks about all the emotions we experience can be reduced to one of these eight. Sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, embarrassment, disappointment, frustration, and vulnerability. And she talks about naming the emotion, and there's also uh, uh, this idea of locating it. Where is it in your body? She walks you through an exercise where you recall an emotion, and the first thing you do is you locate where it is in your body, and this is to start putting some framing around it, and then you, you name it, you give it a name. Is it shame? Is it helplessness? Is it anger? And now you have a name for it. And instead of judging it, instead of trying to suppress it, instead of running from it, you just experience it. Now, when you start this off, obviously you don't want to be starting off with something that's earth-shattering. You want something that's mild because it's about learning the exercise. And then you lean into it, as we say. You lean into it to understand what is it trying to tell you? What is it there for? And, and just experience it. And you'll feel it. You'll feel like the emotion, as you let it unbridled, right? It just rises and then it crests and then it starts dropping down again. And, and then you take away that, what you've learned. As I said, there's a mnemonic RAIN or an acronym, R-A-I-N. You recognize it and then you acknowledge it. This is not the non-judgment period. You're acknowledging, you're giving it a name and you're, real, you're acknowledging that it's there to tell you something and then you investigate to see what it's trying to tell you and and then you let it pass through and then the end is nurture and you know again that's called self-care so that's a that goes along with this idea of allowing the emotions to pass through so now there's a strategy to do that I recommend you checking out the book 90 seconds to a life you'll love because when you get the emotions in check and people can't hijack you and people can't push your buttons and you can watch there are people who just it's sport for them. That's what they do. They don't even think it's, it's mean. They're not even trying. It's just sport. They like pushing buttons, and they see the reaction, and then it's fun, and then they move on to the next one. Meanwhile, the person is devastated and scarred for life, and the person who did the button pushing, they just move on to the next one. They never thought anything of it. So we want to be in control of that. We don't want to have random people pushing our buttons. We don't want the buttons to be there. And those buttons are almost like you can think about it once those emotions are stored in our nervous system, that's why there's a button to be pushed. There's another thing I'll talk about here, transformational vocabulary. Again, I learned this, uh, what, 40 years ago in a seminar with Tony Robbins. And the transformational vocabulary is so powerful because vocabulary goes both ways. If you have a certain emotion, we'll often blurt out a word. But also, that word brings that emotion. And so the idea of the transformational vocabulary, I talked about this a little bit in, in an earlier episode. I, again, words go both ways. So if you use a particular word, you say, I'm so frustrated, and it's really just minor annoyance. It's really just an inconvenience, but saying, I'm so frustrated, 
and you're using the same terminology for the most frustrating thing that's happened to you in the last five years, and you're using the same word and tonality for something that's just a minor inconvenience. We want to be careful about the words that we use because when if frustration is associated with the worst thing that's ever happened to you and we're using it for something minor, we're stressing ourselves out, we're bringing anxiety in, and as I've said, the our internal environment responds to what's going on with our thoughts. Our emotions play a big part because we've got mindset. It, the emotions can trigger you into a fixed mindset. We have beliefs. The emotions can heighten the belief and make it stronger, bring it to the forefront, make it more intense. We have habits of thought. Those emotions can trigger more of those habits of thought. And we have priming. Emotions can prime us. Something that could be a minor, just an observation, but when we're using a word like, I'm so frustrated, or it's going to be a bad day today, we're priming ourselves to look for that. Uh, you hear people arguing for their weaknesses. There are some people who just have to talk about how bad it is, and you're trying to tell them it's not so bad, and no, it's really bad, it's terrible, and they leave information out. They, they leave out important pieces because it's not as bad as they want to say, but they leave out those pieces because they want it to sound worse. I'm not sure what, what that's all about, right? But I can tell you it's not helping them. And when you connect the dots that how we're feeling and how we're thinking impacts our internal system because it's all connected, it's not a good, it's not a good look. Take charge, of your, take charge of your emotional peace so that your buttons aren't being pushed and you're doing the priming that needs to be done you're modulating your emotions in such a way so that you're not being triggered into fixed mindsets, that your beliefs that aren't serving you are held at bay, and your habits of thought are habits of thought that serve you. So in order to start getting some space between the unconscious and the conscious, we're going to have to employ the emotions to start calming some of those reactions down. Start listening to yourself, listen to the words that you use, Reflect on that. Journal. When you start journaling, think about the day and some of the responses and the words because of most of this is below our consciousness. We don't even see it. We don't even know that we're doing it, when, especially when you're first starting this work because it's been a conditioned response for so long. You actually think it's just you. You actually think it's your, well, it is kind of your personality, but it's not you. It's a response, and you can choose to not have that response. So as you're journaling, just start paying attention to words that you've used before. If you ever do have some difficult situations, we could talk about this in relationships too, if you have a difficult situation, as you're playing that back, don't play it back through your own eyes. Play it back by watching yourself from over the other person's shoulder. So imagine you are seeing you through their eyes and watching that whole experience play out. And you'll probably have a different look. It's a different perspective, you'll have a different look. Again, another tool that you can use so we're not just repeating the past over and over and over. You want to start breaking some of these habits of thought and some of these patterns. So I'll leave it there. We'll see you next time talking about relationships.